0: Welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. My trusty sidekick, Ben Clark, and I are joined by former racer, turned director and owner of one of the premier ski racing academies in the UK, Mr. Mark Telling. Mark, welcome. Hello, hello. How are you? Very good, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, So uh, across this episode, we were supposed to be talking about a double Super G for the women over in San as well as the double GS in Santa Catarina for the men, which was moved from Val due to lack of snow, but the first storms of the winter rolled in, causing the women's events in Samaritz to be canceled for safety reasons. Uh, we did manage to get the men's completed in very tricky conditions. They moved Sunday's race to Monday after heavy snow falling throughout the race on Saturday. But finally, we did get the second raceway, which was um, great, but uh, a bit of a, a shame that we didn't have any women's racing at all this weekend.
1: Yeah, it's always a bit of a bummer when you get races cancelled. Looking at some of the uh, social media posts going on and TV footage from Samaritz, I think it's pretty clear that it was always going to be way too dangerous to get any super Gs uh, out the way there. And I spent most of uh, Sunday morning watching people's Instagram videos of them attempting to clear their cars. Uh, it looked quite a lot of fun for professional athletes, like basically laying on the roof of their cars to try and get
0: snow off. <laughs> Um, the thing is with Samoritz, Mark, you've raced there a bunch of times. The thing with Samaritz is that up there where they race the World Cup, there's just no trees, are there? So
2: it's really difficult to try and distinguish any sort of terrain. It is, and they had, you know, the first day when they cancelled it, it was from new snowfall and the wind. Um, it was it was really quite quite strong winds on the first day that they cancelled, and then what happened was due to the due to the amount of snow, the region. Um, I can't actually. Pronounce the region, but um, the uh, give it a go, uh, (laughs) give it a go. I I think it's the I'm not gonna do it. Um, they actually closed, uh, closed Davos as well, closed San and it was due to avalanche risk. They had so much snow that um, it was a it was a call for the whole region because there was meant to be women's European Cup races on you know, there was a break on Monday and then Tuesday, Wednesday was meant to be Women's European Cup and they canceled those at the same time, just saying there's too, there's too much of a risk to um, to get it going. So, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just isolated. San Maritz, that whole region had a crazy amount of snow in a small period of time. And, you know, realistically, Santa Catarina is about an hour 45 from San Maritz. It's really not that far to drive. And, um, you know, as the crow flies even closer, and they had a ridiculous amount of snow as well. Um, less avalanche risk there. And the hill team, I know some of the guys there, I know that they just, they work like crazy. Not to say Sam Ritz don't. I think they had other factors at play. But um, Santa Catarina, they worked like absolute nutters to get those races going. Yeah,
0: you see, Did you see some of the social media posts at like four o'clock in the morning? They're out there shoveling. They had the hoses out overnight. They really, I think they had
2: gifts of these. <laughs> they were giving it, they are all... And and realistically they did all of that. The um I think it was the chief of race, um, Omar Ghali, uh, Gali who runs the uh, he's there whether it's an NJR, a sit race, or a World Cup. And we were asking him some questions the week before at the at the NJR races. There were two GSs there. And he said, um, there was no snow on the Deborah only piece there. Um and he said, Yeah, next week we're actually the the World Cup's gonna move from there. It's gonna be on the uh, main piece under the gondola <laughs> i said what the green one he said yeah and uh, you know it wasn't it wasn't even it wasn't even there it wasn't even fully going so they did an incredible job um to to get that race going that was unbelievable we'll uh, we'll head over to look at those results but ben and i were
0: chatting before before we started recording and it was one of those where i mean it's just thankful that we did get some racing but it's 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 ugly skiing, isn't it? When you're watching the best in the world trying to battle through soft, bumpy, rutted conditions, Ben. I know that you you're a fan, no matter what. Uh, so you probably were enjoying it regardless. But it's it's quite. Some of it was quite tough. To, tough on the eyes, I think.
1: You just have to take each each, I guess, run as it comes in those conditions, and and. I take a little bit of solace from watching the best in the world have to struggle a little bit, having spent my racing career racing on days like that with half the amount of course prep and much higher bib numbers and much bigger holes in the floor. So it's nice to see them have to deal with it as well. Not just, not just, uh, not just us, but you're right. It's the form book does go a little bit out the window, but it is great to see what racers can really adapt. You saw some people really trying to stick with, what's got them to where they are, which a lot of the time is just absolute sheer power uh, and aggression, which when it's snowing that much and you can barely see the floor just doesn't pay off. Like it can, might work for a section or two, but getting a whole run or two runs uh, with that technique just didn't work. And you really saw those with a, a brilliant touch on the ski uh, rise rise to the top.
0: I think you, you are right with how um, you had to be so adaptable and it was, unsurprising that yeah the powerful athletes who just go for brute force and don't necessarily have that sort of softness of touch didn't didn't rise to the top but it was um it was pretty swinging as well the set wasn't that that easy either it was bumpy it was uh it was pretty tough i quite enjoyed that um we saw kranjek back towards the top after he had a bit of a subpar opening race in um in Solden but he he, I thought he was going to take it in the end but Zubcic he's fast becoming like the soft snow king after his only other World Cup win was in Japan and if you remember back to when that was that was that weekend of sideways snow and soft and bouncy conditions and I wonder whether he's (laughs) becoming a
2: bit of a name for himself like a wet weather driver he was um, I mean as well it was when you looked at the course conditions deteriorate I, I actually wasn't was a bit late to the late to the party for watching the first run of the first day in Santa Cat and uh our our skiers here were sitting in the lounge watching it and I walked in and I was thinking all right I must be coming in towards the end of the race just from seeing the guys rattling about and uh I think they're on bib seven and uh you know I I don't I don't think they'd had Firstly, that much time to prepare the piece, as I said. Secondly, a lot of new snow. And also that hill is very flat. So when you've got a steep, you know, steep surface, somewhere like the pitch in Solden, you get a lot of new snow. Okay, you can slide it off. But that piece in Santa Catarina for a World Cup piece is actually crazy, crazy flat it's really not a difficult piece to ski. I don't know how it looked on telly. I
0: was surprised but, um,
2: they, they did it there because it, it, that's the bottom of the downhill that we ran there a few years yeah. ago. It's not,
0: there isn't an awful lot going on there. I mean, it has a bit of side terrain, it has a few rolls, but it's not like it's, a, I, I don't know, sort of a, a classically challenging piece as, as you to
2: expect. no and i think it was the you know just the conditions that made it challenging and it was cool to see um you know like with the f1 this weekend it was cool to see uh you know different names in the mix um and you know adam zampa what what legend uh two really great races but um but there are a lot of names there i know um a few of the lads from global racing were uh in the top 30 today and um, it's, just, it's just cool, isn't it? It's great to watch and great to see some different people. I saw um, Sam Mays in the first race actually wiping his goggles in, as he came, came through the delay. Actually got, managed to get an arm up and wipe his goggles with his forearm. So um, that just tells you how bad the conditions were when you've got... That's normally a British schoolboys, British schoolgirls move, not a, um, not a World Cup a World Cup move. You've got Mark Odomat
0: taking third, Kranich taking second. And then yeah, Zubčič went from sixth to to first with a a proper second run charge with that sort of he has such a soft touch on the skis, but he builds the pressure. He has a really long pressure phase, which I think plays really nicely into these soft conditions. He doesn't get to the gate, bang on the power, and wait for the ski to sort of explode him through towards the next turn. He builds it really nicely, and and that power sort of generated right from the get go when he's turned when he gets onto that new edge and releases really cleanly, and actually managed to cut inside a few of the lines. That uh, were causing some issues through the bumps, actually towards the bottom of the piece. But Odomat, he—it's his first race back after missing the parallel after testing positive for COVID. So he, um, yeah, takes a week off, gets COVID, well, gets COVID, takes a week away from racing, comes back, and he's on the podium again
1: it was interesting to see how people come back because you don't know how this disease if if people get it is going to impact them and there was you know concern that you if you isolate for a week and okay you might be able to do a bit of training in whatever room you're isolating in or wherever but to be able to come back and in those kind of sapping conditions that Mark said it's possibly not the toughest piece but just the amount they were bouncing around Mm. is really impressive uh to, to be able to to do that and as well as him someone who I've talked about for, for I think all three years on the podcast now, uh, Loic Mayard in, in, in fourth he, I, I, I was watching it and as soon as that second run came on I was like this is going to be brilliant, I just love watching this guy ski, he is so smooth I was like if ever there were conditions for him to step up it's these, it's uh, and he carries on skiing the, the way he, he always has, it. sometimes it's almost a detriment that he doesn't have that bit more kind of uh, spite or aggression in his skiing but in those kind of conditions it, it, it really suited him
0: the the thing that I quite like to see, Mark, you already spoke about how you saw some different names in there. You like, so the you know Zampa brothers as well. I meant they were yeah. they were racing back in the day when I was still racing when we were in leather boots. Um, but <laughs> but you also saw like Daniel Yule having a crack at GS. Uh, you saw obviously you know a few four hundred pointers coming in there. Kriechmaier was in. You know, these guys are looking for <clears> points <throat> left, right and centre. And I guess with what? the calendar like it is, that that, you know, let's do some racing.
2: Yeah. And I don't know whether um well, I don't know whether Daniel Yule, I mean, if we think back to the sort of podcast and the interviews through the summer, um, was there some sort of bet there going on between Dave and and Daniel Yule? I mean, as as Dave goaded him into um, <laughs> trying to what? trying to become a Sky. Yeah, right. Right, yeah, right. Here you go. Top thirty. <laughs> See you later. Um Dunno. But um, you know he's got over. If I'm, I think I'm correct in saying, yeah, he's well over 400 overall points. So obviously he can start yep. just outside the top 30, can't he? So why not? Why not make the uh, and Santa Catarina? What a place to um, if you're not doing so much. If you're not a sort of uh, GS specialist, um, you know what a hill to uh, to have a crack at is so inviting, as as we've already said. But um, yeah a lot of different names in there it was cool to see Martin Miners you know another lowland nations like, like ourselves Martin Miners in there in 26th today and um yeah it was just just great the the Zampa brothers on the first day doing doing their thing i thought that was i thought that was absolutely brilliant
0: Ben, you you would have uh, definitely seen it but did you did you enjoy uh, Favro's straddle when was well, no i didn't see Favro's straddle oh, I can come on nothing flashy no. yeah <laughs> on the second day <laughs> Oh, no, on the second round of the first day, he straddled a chess oh,
1: Was he falling over at the same time?
0: No, no, he skied yeah. all the way to the bottom and he got dq would Like, it wasn't like he straddled and
2: did a few games, he, he straddled, shinned it, and carried on to the finish. First oh, first I mean, round of the first day, because isn't that why Zampa then moved up into 30th? I was Is in the first right? run. I believe so. Yeah, I, I think it was be because right. I think, um, I think Andreas Zampa thought he was in 31st, and we, we were making jokes here saying, oh, he's probably. They probably had to go up the top and get him off of his powder skis say hey look you've got a you've got a second round inspection to do. crack on with it um so uh yeah i think he moved up into 30th i've forgotten it was first it was first run yeah i thought he, he tried to get away with it he, he, I'm
0: pretty <laughs> i am pretty. mean sure. you have
1: to you've got, go got a eh?
0: gs gate and
2: get away with it <laughs> I, straddled a GS, I straddled a super g gate that wasn't fun but <laughs> Well, I'm t- not talking about I've the straddling. I mean, I mean, trying to get away with it. We've all been there, you know. He's got a few too many TV cameras on him, though, to, to be able to manage that. But yeah, when, I, when um, I tried to get away with it, it was
0: my second ever slalom race that that, that I uh, tipped a gate and carried on skiing. And you know, they they even found it out without any TV cameras there. <laughs> t- tipped a gate. There you go. Still denying it. Minding <laughs> <laughs> went the right side. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> on to the second day, then, shall we? Today, which is Monday, first run looked so good, looked like definitely the right decision, woke up, barely any snowfall, the piece looked hard again, they worked tirelessly through Sunday to keep the snow off, to try and get it nice and hard, ready to go, uh, and I think by all accounts, it was the first run was really good, and then just the weather came in for the second, and it looked pretty tough out there again basically looked like Saturday all over again on the second yeah. run. By
1: the time the, the leaders got down, the conditions were gradually getting worse and worse and you could see the course cutting up. Uh, but as you said, similar to the first day, the, the course looked, I mean, i could only telling from what we looked like on TV, but it looked to have quite a lot of swing in it again, which in, uh, again, a relatively um, shallow gradient slope um, just meant any mistake was just killing all the speed. Um, I think... Uh, Christofferson was probably a, a, a victim of that kind of a second round aggression that he has. He kind of got himself into a much better position today than he had done uh, on Saturday. And just again, like he kind of over over kind of um, pushed and, and had mistakes that were really kind of dragging the speed out of him, um, which was a bit of a shame to see because the Norwegians, they've got a really like solid tech squad at the moment. They've just got a block of like four or five guys that, any one of them could podium uh, in GS at the moment. I really, really enjoy watching those guys.
2: It's cool. It's great to see that, isn't it? I mean, McGrath, when you look at both his results from this weekend and everyone talks about, uh, you know, Brathen, obviously, and he's established himself and he's, you know, he's got a top 15. I think he's second group, isn't he? Second group bib. But um, McGrath was in there both days, like Adam Zampa was. And... um, yeah, it was just just awesome to see the uh, you know Norwegians today. I think yeah, here we go, eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, just in a row there. And the Leif life Haugen in seventh, Kilder there as well, um, in fifteenth. So you know, five guys in the top fifteen is is pretty awesome. Yeah, so
0: we had on the podium Zubcic again picking up another podium. Goes from 21st into third with, a, with an amazing second run. Tommy Ford just sneaking ahead of Zubchich by 200th into second place. And Odamat, yeah, held on after leading the first run. He was held, Did you guys notice that he was held for over a minute in the start gate? Never won a World Cup GS before. The day with a snowing bucket and you're held in the start gate for over a minute. Before, before you have to go and do your best work. I mean,
2: I I can remember um certain people that would get held in the Stargate for ages while everyone worked on the course, made it smooth, and sorted everything out. So um yeah, I know. Ben. Maybe maybe he's like the Swiss Ed Drake. <laughs> <laughs> no one was working on the course when I was in the Stargate.
1: <laughs> they, they were They'd standing by the I was they were standing by the start. Hu- by the start wait, <laughs> when I was doing it, they were waiting by the start hut so they could pull the first round and start sitting the second round. they were like, hurry up. Up English, get out of here.
0: But it was it was impressive. A lot of pressure manages to, to ski a pretty error free second run with, with those <laughs> sort of conditions. It was actually Switzerland's first giant slalom victory for nearly ten years.
2: Really? Not yeah. long.
0: Yeah, do you know who and it
1: was? No. No, it was oh it was it the awesome second run charge. Um was it not Luca Ernie, someone else? Oh, that's gonna annoy me.
0: Ready? Go on. Daniel yeah, Carlo Janke. Yeah. Uh, really yeah. interesting. Carlo Yanko in um, 2011. So March 2011 was the last time a Swiss man won a World Cup GS.
2: Mental that. Crazy. Well, I think there'll be more of that this season. Oh, certainly
0: will. But, yeah, with the likes of Luke Mayer, Justin Mercier and and some of these younger guys that are coming through that you haven't even heard of, you know, seen them on a list before. And Gino
1: was up there again um, both days. He was kind of yeah. in the mix. Had a nightmare on the second run today, but uh, was, was has been in the mix again.
0: Yeah, we talked about it just a minute ago about how you've got to be adaptable when the conditions are like this. And I just don't think he adapted his technique. He skis a little bit on his inside. like He puts a bit of weight towards the end of the turn on his inside foot, which you can do, and which is good to do when it's nice and compact. But when it's a bit softer, you just don't have the purchase. It's a very, very risky Thing to do when you've got your skis laid over in soft, sort of bumpy conditions, and uh, and he he paid the price, unfortunately for him, and unfortunately for me because he was my pick for the win today. So uh, I'll be having words with him. His, uh, his social media is going to be getting peppered.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've talked about the conditions a fair bit, but it it is interesting because these guys, like with the the slalom guys, I guess. Um so much of the training is done on and so much of their, their competition is done on piece that are super technical and also the, the piece prep and the conditions, you know, it's like it's like glass, it's like ice rinks. And for sure they they've they've skied many, many days in their lives, all to, all kinds of different conditions, but you would um you would say in their later years towards once they're established in World Cup, they're certainly skiing a certain type of condition more frequently and I thought it was really yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I don't think anyone will be in favour of um of not treating peace for future World Cups, and I'm not suggesting that, but um but it does yeah, it does make it interesting to see who's got different skills yeah. um when the conditions are throwing up some, some different challenges. Yeah, well you can't you can't have it all perfect all of the time. So um and so yeah,
0: now Odamat leads the overall standings as well as the GS tour tour standings. Um, Christofferson's like 160 points back already I think Pantaro's like best part of 100 points behind pressure is going to mount especially when when you've got double weekends sometimes I think it's a good idea but actually also if you're having a bad day like it's quite easy for that to turn into a bad weekend I think it's quite difficult to turn it around so quick if you've had a knock to confidence the day before and then to have it come again. And likewise, the other way around, maybe somebody like Odom out or, or uh, Zubchic who who had great weekends, you know, love the fact it's a double and you can bounce back and
2: and re- repeat. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, we saw um, a few guys like that. I mean, if, you know, Zubchic was a, a first and a first and a third and, um you know, Zamper in there once and then boom yeah. in there again. And yeah, I do think that that, that has a massive a massive part to play. If you manage to get in there once suddenly or, or convincingly once, not getting there, Zubchich is doing more than that. But, um, you know, for the, for the guys that are breaking into the top 30, you do it once suddenly think, "Whoa, game on. This is, this is doable. This is possible. Um, and the
0: and that, that's Zampa, huge. You know, Somebody like Zampa now has got a, got two, two cracking results and you should see him now starting. And I'm not exactly sure where he'll be on the WCSL list, but he's going to be starting in the, uh, in the twenties, for certain, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Brilliant. It'd be nice to see fresh name, yeah. As well, similar
1: kind of thing. Although he's already a bit further up the list. Eric Reed, two two yeah. tenths. Um, he he looked really really comfortable in those conditions both both days. And and Trevor Philp as well. He's again a, a tiny bit further back. Like both the Canadian guys had had really good uh, weekends or or double GSs. So in, in some respects that has worked um, for for them. And it was some, some really, really nice skiing, but it's a bit tough to tell. Like Pantro was just, he was there or thereabouts both days without ever really looking at his best. Although I said, you know, how much would he miss not being where that race was originally supposed to be? Yeah, well, um, where he normally the
0: ride, dominates it down the, down the fast. Yeah, somebody that you would say these conditions definitely don't suit soft and flat, you is going to be high up on your list of, of people that don't want those conditions.
1: Yeah, but I guess it, I mean he got in the top, you know, top ten, top five both days. So he got some points. Whereas Christofferson really had, like you said, quite a bit of a uh, a mayor by his standards. Yeah. We expect so much of him um, that, like you said, dropping a bit far behind. I don't think he'll be too worried. Um, there's still plenty of races to go for him, and he will no doubt find his form um i just want to see uh him get mad in the finish area to see what you've got to say about it the next day when we do a podcast
0: he's he's not he hasn't made me uh get sort of get on it this year because he, he has not he's not been towards the sharp end but i now start to find other people that are annoying me because my, <laughs> my pick i'm doing so bad <laughs> now we do have to move on to the uh Podcast Predictions League in association with the lovely people over at Powderhound because I picked up, yet again, no points this weekend. I chose <laughs> Kilda and Kavietzel, Uh and Kilda, yeah, he just, he, he's got, to, I think what it is, is he's got too much strength. He was too, <laughs> too good and maybe too powerful for that. He was sinking. You see, exactly. So he was, he needed a snorkel and caveat cell who spent most of the time lying on his inside. So those two really annoyed me this weekend. Ben, you didn't fare any better. I said exactly the same. Yeah. Uh,
1: I went with Christopherson on the Saturday following his form in the, in the, uh, uh, parallels from the week before and I did have a pretty good pitch with Cranjet uh, except I just picked him on the wrong day um so I picked him for today where he had a not brilliant first round and a worse second round and finished back down in the pack so he, he definitely showed on Saturday that he's got the form but yeah you and me, and in fact Marcel also um,
0: I'm very uh, had, Marcel had a pretty
1: bad week. So all three of last week's uh, podcast hosts got zero
0: <laughs> points. Yeah, I'm, I'm very. Once again, we know nothing about ski racing. <laughs> yeah, I'm very pleased that Marcel also picked up no points. Um, annoyingly for us, another thing that's going to annoy me is Mark actually did manage to pick up some points. Joe's um, <laughs> <Mark laughs> Zubchich for the win for the second race. So today's race, so he picks up. A uh, solitary point to take him to 11 points overall, uh, which is joint 16th. The big winners this weekend were actually my brother, who picked. Oh, God. Who was the only person to pick up full marks. He's the only person who picked both winners each day. Uh, so he moved up from probably somewhere near the bottom, to uh, fifth, now on 19 points. Our leaders are still the same from last week because none of them picked up any points. So Ambrosh Pivak is still leading uh, with Marcel Mathis, both on 21 points. Malcolm Erskine is in joint third with Jakob Jagasek. Both on twenty points uh, and basically yeah, no big movers towards the sharp end, no big movers really towards the bottom
2: half. <laughs> <laughs> I think these picks start minus points. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's happening is um you know, for yourself, you you know quite a bit about the, the depth of the field and so you try you know, you try and be a bit sneaky and a bit clever with your picks there. Um, <laughs> you know, the the people you're sort of messaging around people. You know when there's half an hour to go, saying, Right, come on, Mark, who you picking? And I'm uh, I'm thinking, Oh god, I haven't looked even at the start list here, right? Pants uh, pant around Zubchich, away we go. And um, Overthinking I, I think that's perfect. I think that's your problem, you're trying to be too clever with it.
0: Overthinking it, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I'll just I mean, start at board, and maybe that, well, that's probably the <laughs> yeah. only to pick up any points. Exactly. I might need to get in contact with uh. The
1: elder Drake brother, and see if he wants to start a ski racing podcast and you know, see a bit more.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> so you could, you could just
2: grab him and get in touch with a B win or something, Ben. I mean, that might be the smarter move.
0: No, because yeah, if, that um, might if you win, you would have picked Antro or Christopherson, like Ben did. Got no points. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Not doing too well, but um, leading the way is Ambrosch Pivac because Marcel Mathis is going to get negative points for sure at some point over the next little while. So at the moment, it's uh, Pivac who will be leading the way looking for some new Powderhound gear just in time for Christmas. Don't forget, if you do want to have a little look, go check out their leading lifestyle mountain brand based here in the UK. They post all over the world. And if you fancy getting yourself or anybody else out there a Christmas Prezi or two. You can use the discount code pod 10 for a discount. Ben's already got his mug. Got the got a mug, got a hoodie, um, and it's been a
1: day of hot chocolates and coffee today to keep me going.
0: Yeah, and also you got some masks in there because we are not out of the woods yet with this COVID Malarkey. Um because you're ugly Ed. Gosh <laughs> <laughs> <Bad>. um, <laughs> we'll be invited back. <laughs> uh, right, Mark, as yep. your first time on the pod this season, I think the last time we did the pod, you might have been drunk.
2: Yep, and Finner's and <laughs> you, <laughs> rubbish. Uh, so we are going to might have to edit that bit out. Okay, yeah. carry on.
0: I'm the am the leader. I'll edit. I'll edit that just the Edgar part out. Um, <laughs> so we're going to play the uh, getting to know you feature. So I've got a few questions oh. here and give us some... i have
2: to answer honestly or can yeah. i uh no well let's go honestly i
0: mean maybe that says maybe <laughs> that, maybe that'll help us get to know you if you're just fabricating stuff there <laughs> and you can be the judge um right okay question one where's your favorite
2: place to ski Ooh, i would say the three valleys good memories yeah <laughs> with ben a lot of the time that, well, that was a long time ago ben
0: probably had hair when that was happening he certainly did. And Mark probably had more. Um, <laughs> if he could ski with anybody for a day, who would it be? Ed Drake? Oh, no, you
2: got the <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jose Mourinho. All right, cool. That'd be quite an interesting chairlift, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if he can ski and I don't really care, to be honest. I'd just, I just sort of pick his brains about man management and coaching and, uh, and nonsense like that, fair enough your favourite place to Apres oh I don't I don't actually do much of that to be honest Um... you (laughs) Um, I would say the Ron Point the Ronnie in uh, Meribel as well nice Uh, who is the best ski racer of all time
0: Herman Meyer like that that. (laughs) That most memorable moment in ski racing history what my ski racing history or
2: just ski racing history in general Something they just. Oof. Um. So the thing that sprung to mind immediately is a uh, Christian Godina's spread eagle off of the um the last jump in Kitzbühel. I think it was his last race when he was retiring. Um. I like moments like that when the, you know the guys, guys from ski racing with character. Um. I don't know. You could pick a gazillion different moments, can you? But that's a, that's the one that springs to mind to me. I just thought that was, that was, uber cool. I'm sure there's yeah, a lot like, of like, bodie moments too
0: doing, what, 85, 90 miles an hour off that final jump. And that was when the jump was big as well. That was before yeah. they started shaving it down, wasn't it? What a dude. What a guy. Uh, my, one of my favourite memories of him is, um, I think it must have been the same year. I think it was the year he was retiring in Val Gardena. Do you remember the deer that was, like, running alongside him? Like, in that <laughs> final, between the A-net and just before that very last jump into the finish area, there was a blooming deer, like, running alongside him. <laughs> I can't, can't recall that, but...
2: Yeah, crazy. He was. He was a definite. He was a good character, there, wasn't he? I think that's what makes it, you know. And that's the one thing that I, uh, when I was watching the, or the thing I don't like, my pet hate when I watch the ski racing is when the guys come down. I know that they're maybe disappointed, guys or girls, and they they come through the finish line. They're straight out the finish area, and um, I sort of think, as a spectator, and from a competitive side, I get it. But as a spectator. You want to see the—I um, don't know—you want to see the emotion. You want to—you want to sort of know the characters and stuff. And I think a lot of that you tell from their reactions and everything else. And if they're just yeah, if they come through the line and bolt, it's—it's um, it's hard to buy into them one way you, or another. I think
0: you see less and less of of emotions in sport in general these days because everybody's so polished and everybody's so aware that there's cameras here there and everywhere everyone apart from uh,
1: maybe
2: his
0: office and seems to realize that say
1: so, yeah the everyone's camera. scared that head's going <laughs> to say how mad they are I'm trying hissy fit in the finish yet. but <laughs>
2: yeah even even that and I'm not I'm not a massive fan of uh, of his to to put it to be kind but um, but even that at least you do see some sort of uh, there's some sort of emotion there's some sort of character there um, you know, he's a bit of a pantomime villain in that way or a, or a, or a pantomime brat when he's uh, throwing the toys out the pram. But um, but yeah, uh, I, I do like to see some, I don't know, something to buy into, something to sort of to, to give you a bit of an idea as to what they're like is, is always good.
0: Uh, finish this sentence. When I'm not skiing, you will find me.
2: Working at my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> wonder... Dedicated. <laughs> when i'm not skiing you'll find me getting a covid test at the moment <laughs> seems like every other day i'm having some sort of uh, straw shoved up my nostril to uh, i don't know yeah, to tell me that i can go and enter the next race or not even that i can enter that i can go and stand on the hill to witness people racing in the next race so that's where you'll find me covid test center when i'm not skiing that's as exciting <laughs> as my life is when mark's not skiing you'll find him the covid test center
0: Nice. You'll um, find
2: me walking my dog. I was wondering if Leo was going to shout out.
0: If yeah. Leo was going to make it onto the pod. Two more. Yeah, Wor- go for it. Worst
2: moment on skis. Your worst moment on skis. Um, I got lost on a family holiday when I was about eight years old and um, I watched the rest of my family. Um, well, not my mum, she doesn't ski, but my older brother and my dad and the rest of the group that we were skiing with. So sort I've of all I'm looking up the piece. I was ahead, obviously. So, I've, you know, i tucked down this piece. I'm, I've finished ages ago, looking back up, analysing their skiing, age seven. And uh, <laughs> I watched them all turn down this path and just, and ski off. And I'm, it, it dawned on me, that, oh, I'm a child and alone. Um, so sort of, I did what, you know, everyone with a bit of uh, initiative would do. And I, I stood there and cried and probably wet my pants. <laughs> um, and uh, someone uh, someone basically found me, took me to, uh, the, to the bottom of the lift station. It was also my birthday. So they, uh, they bought me a little cake from the bakery and I was sat in this, um, reception or foyer of the the bottom of this, uh, lift pass office back in a neighboring Valley. And, um, my dad had called ski patrol and they eventually found me later that night, but, um, it was dark and I was, you know, it was a very, actually quite a scary experience to be honest. And, uh, my dad obviously didn't tell my mum about it either until we were back home and, and everything was all right. And I think, I think he possibly got in a bit of trouble for losing me on my birthday. Uh, I, but that, yes, yeah, that, that would be my, um, my bad memory of skiing. Yeah, not sure that's going to go down well with your mum, is it? Yeah, I lost the middle child on his birthday, in the middle of it. Uh, well, well, the middle's not maybe not so um, relevant, but the favourite child, um, you know, <laughs> is more to the point. <laughs> Well, I think those days are gone. I think I was think long, long gone as the favorite.
0: Okay, um, last, last question. You got a road trip to the Alps and
2: you got three seats. Who's coming with you? I don't know. These days I struggle to find three people to hang out with. So, um, uh, Leo <laughs> is coming. That's the dog, by the way. That's the dog. Excuse me. Leo Leo the Beagle, 2020. Look him up. Um, (laughs) Sir Alex Ferguson is coming. And Bear Grylls is coming. All right. Then if you do get lost again, at least you'll be okay. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: (laughs) Covering (laughs) off all angles. I like it.
2: (laughs) Good conversation um, with the dog, obviously. Um, And survival skills with Big Bear. And Alex Ferguson... Is coming with the money? Um, no, same reason as same reason as Mourinho. To be honest, just um, I've I've sort of got into all these sporting. Well, you got me into the F one one, Ed. The drive to survive. I'm now watching the the all or nothing, the Tottenham one, the Amazon series, um, and Pep Guardiola's one to watch. And I mean, in lockdown, the the last dance, Michael Jordan's one. I just I just love it. Any sort of behind the scenes sporting stuff.
0: You touched on it earlier, Mark,
2: about your
0: where, where you would find you if you're not on a ski slope. Because you, you're coaching. What age, yeah, Tell us about what age group you're coaching and, and how it's been for for you
2: guys so far in 2020. Yeah, it's been it's been really tricky. Um, we've had to navigate a number of different rule changes. So I guess through the summer. There was, you know, Italy wasn't on the quarantine list for the UK, so we went to Italy, couldn't do Southern Hemisphere. And we planned the same for the autumn, and then a few days before, I think some British clubs are already in Italy. Suddenly, Italy is on the quarantine list for coming back to the UK, so no one can go there, and this, that, and the other. Austria is then fine, then Austria's in lockdown, um, then Austria, you're not in lockdown if you're a professional, and professional extends to FIS, and then now it extends to U16. not you 14 and 12 so there's been you know every single time you think you're getting ahead there's suddenly it's it's been a challenge it's actually been quite a cool challenge thinking right there's another new rule can i still keep everything going or we for a better word can we keep everything going as a as a team safely um with all these new rules so we've been navigating them as best we can and uh, a lot of covid testing a lot of maneuvering about we sent our u14s and u12s to they saw dave riding actually last week in cab dallas they went up to sweden because they weren't allowed to train in austria and that seemed to be one of the only places you could get in safely and uh younger kids could train so it's been um it's been really tricky race cancellations crazy um it's not just the world cup stuff happening women's uh, europa cup hasn't even begun yet we've had uh, endless i guess cancellations on that side so it's uh i quite enjoy it to be honest it's a, it's a challenge it's slightly stressful there's not much time off but um you know I'm always always making a new plan and uh, i guess that's what I quite enjoy
0: and what happens with so how do you have to have tests before you go to
2: every single fizz race or you know how how does covid um work for fizz <clears throat> Nation to nation is change, it's a little bit different. So Switzerland at the moment, you don't need a test to go in, but you do need to fill out a health questionnaire. And they have various, all the races, they have really strict rules on, you know, masks at their, masks at their race meetings, masks at the lift and in the starting areas. And literally for the Swiss races, we were out anyway, just taking off the mask when you're actually doing your run. Um, and then having one to, to put back on for the lift. So, um that's in switzerland in austria so far we've needed tests for going to italy we've needed to have clear tests um you know and these things aren't they're not cheap um we're at the moment they're still yeah. yeah at the moment we're paying for it each time we've you know various clubs around the area are you know helping each other and saying oh by the way we went here and that you know slightly cheaper etc etc but there's a lot of um everything's a little bit more stressful so you need a clear test 72 hours before the first race day um and so obviously you're planning your race days and your logistics almost more in advance it's not like you can suddenly add someone in the day before because maybe you don't have time to get them a test yeah uh so it's all it's all a little bit more tricky it needs a bit more planning um and with races being cancelled as as ever with britain there's always um difficulties with the quota spots so it's a yes, definitely a big challenge at the moment. How how much is a COVID test out on the continent? At the moment, it varies from anywhere between thirty-five euros and one hundred and fifteen euros. Depends if you're getting it done at a hospital or there's quite a few. There's a few cool, quirky little things pitching up, like um, one called Lab Truck, and there's that's around Innsbruck area, and you can. Uh, it's basically like a, I guess, a sort of mini hospital in like a like an RV and uh, they'll do tests and there's, there's a few private clinics that are doing them slightly cheaper but i do think in austria i think from next week they're doing mass testing and that i believe is for free um so i think you can go down to like your your local i don't know where they're setting them up sort of school gyms and stuff like that you can go down and get a free test i think that's from next week which will make life maybe not easier but more uh, cost effective for a program that's for sure Mark, by the sounds of it, you've got it
1: slightly more organised than the Norwegian team, uh, Doctor, uh, who we didn't touch on it earlier, uh, but Ed almost completely missed out on having Kildred in the race on Saturday because had got coronavirus earlier in the season and thought that his kind of clean bill of health post having it was enough throughout Europe for the rest of the season that he didn't need any further testing and it turned out that in Italy, as you mentioned, they needed uh, uh, one within 72 hours. So he had to isolate in the hotel room and missed the free skiing on Friday uh, and, and had to get the, a, a very, very rushed last minute test to be cleared to race on the Saturday. So it sounds <laughs> wow. like you guys are, are far more on top of this.
2: Well, I guess um, there's so much. I mean, there really is like the, the programs and the Zoom calls instead of race meetings. Some places are just doing them by Zoom and you know you you fill in a health questionnaire and send it off via an app and then that goes to the sort of the COVID uh, I guess COVID manager you call it at the bottom of a gondola so you can only get onto the gondola once you know he'll have your name and your your number and if you've if you filled in the questionnaire and you he's got your clear test and up you go and if you don't then then you don't so I find it, it, as I said, it's a challenge, but there's so much going on. And I said to my team the other day, look, we are going to, we're going to miss things. There will be some mistakes because this is, it's crazy the amount going on, but um, you just do your best, thing, you? And uh, I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure the Norwegian team doctor would have been, yeah, more than embarrassed um, about being in that situation. Uh, it would have been an absolute nightmare, wouldn't it? But it's so hard to keep up with, you know, because it's not just sort of one rule for say world cup events it's okay well this is the rule for santa caterina because that's in italy and this is the rule for you know for Obergergel europa cup because that's in austria so everything's kind of um yeah everything's changing so fast and uh and it's very hard to keep up with especially the the announcements in austria for example uh, we came out of lockdown but then there's some new rules and there's some new rules for people quarantining if they come into the country. Um, and we don't know yet whether that's going to affect, um, you know, if we go after the 19th of December, if we go out of Austria and go and race in Italy, when we come back into Austria, are we going to be exempt from that quarantining? We, we don't have an answer to that yet. So it's pretty tricky. Uh,
0: let's move on to the up and coming action for this coming weekend. There, Like we said in the intro, we've got a double GS for the ladies to concentrate on after missing out on racing this weekend, but a bit of a headache for those girls running, you know, going across over to there from Austria, over to Switzerland to do that. Then heading back over to France now to do this. Uh, The big winner is Michaela Schifrin chooses not to race and the race gets canceled. I was saying to Ben earlier, I've lost count of the amount of times that that's actually happened where she's pulled out of a race because, you know, she's, likes to pick and choose what she's doing. She said she didn't want to race at the speed events in Samaritz because she hadn't really done any speed training over the summer because of obviously coronavirus and not being able to travel here, there and everywhere. So it made a sensible choice um, not to risk herself racing when she didn't feel ready. Uh, and then the race gets cancelled and she's just been hanging out, getting ready for GS.
2: It's great, isn't it? Um, you know, well, I feel with the, I mean, the year everyone's had has been challenging and difficult but she's she's certainly had a a really difficult year personally and personal challenges to overcome so uh maybe she'll maybe she'll be feeling that she was due a little bit of um a little bit of positive energy and good luck coming her way it's also for her i mean we all just expect her to put a set of skis on no matter what the discipline come down and be first second or third i mean really we expect in, in most of the time that it's first it's um it's huge pressure isn't it and she um I think she handles it pretty damn well, doesn't she? It's a huge amount of expectation, um, huge amount of pressure, and she, you know, she makes those calls to with her team, I guess, to um, to make sure she keeps her her sanity, her health, and um, and everything else, you know, intact in to last the whole season. It, it must be really, really difficult to manage. I would have thought
0: really difficult. So. Back in Courchevel, they've got enough snow, positive snow controls for Courchevel, ah. so it'll be interesting to get some proper GS underway. Ben, as the resident meteorologist, what, what are we saying on the weather? Courchevel, oh, what are we saying for the weather? I
1: did look at this earlier, um, so <laughs> relatively clear, huh? I'm ready for you to,
0: to sort of through it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, I think the the week's looking good. Um, unfortunately, I think there's a bit of snow coming in at, towards the weekend. You know what mountain weather forecasts are like. They're normally rubbish this far out. Um, but hopefully a couple clear days for them to be able to really get their piece as packed down as possible. Uh, and then the whoever looks uh, a little bit snowy on Saturday, but nice and clear Sunday. Yeah.
2: Weather girl. Quite like
1: this,
0: Ben. I know. <laughs> it's been self, self-proclaimed as well. Life after the podcast. He's getting loads of new
1: skills. I mean, I just come up with a new one every week because picking picking races is not one of my strong points. Clearly,
0: <laughs> let's crack on with these picks, shall we?
2: Mark, are you ready to yes? Get Do you need a little yeah top? yeah 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 for the women? For the women, just for the women. I mean, I think um, I've gone with someone for form in Glover, obviously. For the fair- there's two GSs, right? I mean, yeah. So Vlova for the first one. And then um, you know, a little bit more of I just love I just think the Italian women's team are just awesome, aren't they? They're just killing it. And um, the great GS skiers and so I've gone for Brignoni for the second one. Nice. I'm glad to
0: see somebody not just picking double Vlahova. It'll be interesting. I'm pretty sure the entire picks for pretty much everybody that we'll get barring
2: uh, barring some Americans, I think we'll have double Vlahova for this coming weekend. But this this is what I this is what I mean. Like I just don't want to, I just don't want to pick us twice because I you know I'm hoping there'll be more varied facing the But um, probably probably betting wise, probability wise, you you know
1: you would go for that.
2: Uh, ben, um, I'm not going to go
1: both Tessers. Because she upset me <laughs> last time. Um, so I'm going to give Tessa one last chance on Saturday uh, and then immediately move off. Um, <laughs> and immediately to, dump her. Yeah, yeah. She let me down too many times. She wins on Sunday. All oh, hell is going to break this. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I was erring on the side of Brignoni, but if Mark's gone there, my uh, backup option um, was another quite left field option um, of the form hand at the moment is Lara Gute Barami. Um, I saw enough in the uh parallel um to make me think she she she'll be up for it
0: okay <laughs> yeah i I'm, I'm going to go with uh basino for race one nice
1: nice it, leader in the standings nice conservative pick like it
0: yeah yeah oh i'm not picking for the hover there you go uh, and so and the other one i think i'm, I'm quite tempted to just on form to go with Paula Molson because she's flying high with that top 10, well, she 10th in Sölden and then obviously on the podium in the parallel. But I think it may be one or two races too early. <clears throat> and I'm going to go back to Alice Robinson because I feel like she's going to need to to sort of pull one out of the bag a little bit after a sub subpar start to the season. So yeah, I'm going to go with those two. Um, Over to the men's, Ben, and you'll be unsurprised to hear that I'm very, very excited that it's time for men's speed. So we have downhill on Saturday, Super G on Sunday. Training runs are supposed to be starting on Wednesday, which means arrival day is tomorrow slash today, depending on when people listen to it. And and so if you're the likes of Kilda or Odema or any of these guys, you are now having to race across to uh, back to France, back to Val d'Azur to try and get ready with a clear COVID ready (laughs) to be allowed to stand in the start gate on Wednesday. That will be fun, won't it? Um, Yeah, I'm
1: sure Kilda will have about five tests ready to hand over um, at this point um, to make sure he's good to go. But I'm looking forward to seeing some speed. Um, Hopefully, again, similar weather forecasting as they're not that far apart. Uh, course well um, and is there, but hopefully, we're going to get some clear weather and some lightning fast skiing because I'm tired of trying to squint at the TV
0: screen and work out what's going on. It's going to be, it'll be, it'll be really hopeful for a nice, clean, fresh race for uh, the men to get the speed race. Obviously, mean, it would be crap if they had similar luck to the ladies when they got the chance to get their speed skis on and obviously having that pulled out from underneath them at the last minute. Ben, do you want to pick first this time? Yeah, yeah, I can go first.
1: Um, Mine's really easy for this. Um, I've gone for the Matthias Meyer double. Um, And I've taken both your picks. Excellent. Um, You've taken one of them.
0: I'll cross him off. I'll score him out.
1: But yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. He's not been far away in Super G or downhill the last couple of years. He's not quite in there with the... Uh, nailed on uh, for a podium position, but can ski in most conditions. So, yeah, it's big him, him and Creekmeyer uh, were, were really good last year. So there was a bit of a bit of a toss up between those two. But I thought I'll keep it keep it simple.
2: Okay, uh, Marky Mark. Have we got? Sorry, can I just check? Have we got two downhills and a super G, or just what one of each? One of each. So one downhill Saturday, super G Sunday. Okay, I am going to go for. Odamat in the super G.
0: Oh, that's you. right, cross him out as well. Should have gone before.
2: <laughs> and I'm gonna go for Kilda in downhill. Okay, nice. Um,
0: uh, yeah, so I'm gonna go Kriechmeier in Super G. I'm gonna go Foits in downhill then. Having having gone, the time, <laughs> having gone for Kilda all the time, having gone for all the time with um, in the GS, I've now gone right. I need a break from Kilda Calls. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: and so yeah ben you're you're not impressed with my choices are you
1: uh, for, i was just seeing just how many points he won the uh, downhill standings by last <laughs> year It was good uh, <laughs> good 200 points clear of tommy jessen um
0: well yeah what do you think we're s-
1: Yeah, what do you think we're going to see from from paris is he is he
0: good to go is he going to be firing on all cylinders i mean he's good to go i think firing all cylinders is is standard procedure for that man Okay. Is, his, is his body in a condition
1: where he can fire on all cylinders obviously he's going to go absolutely flat out because that's what he does in
0: a china shop <laughs> is, is the, uh, the, the proper phrase that, that counts for him I think but what I, I don't know I think for me for him like with it being the first couple of races for the season I'm just not sure if I risk not knowing the snow conditions that, uh, because and also with his form I think if he'd come in on good form you could say that I, I could have picked him because obviously he's he's there or thereabouts. Oh, he's if, if he's the snow,
2: overthinking it again, Ben.
0: It's
1: the snow conditions. I mean, he's head already. If the
0: snow conditions are a little soft, <laughs> and he's not got good form. He's yeah. These are the kind are you of sure? mind games you've got
1: to play, Mark, when you've only got three and five points between you. <laughs>
0: I'm really thankful that you're giving me the extra point. I think I've only got four. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'll take the extra point. Was that me? Maybe I did a typo, give myself an extra point. I <laughs> how you're going to get Marcel off top spot, just keep adding his scores up wrong. No, I'm just going to keep minusing him. What I'm not going to do is I'm not... We know that he doesn't listen to the podcast, so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to ask him for his pick, and then I'm going to minus him <laughs> 20 and a half points. <laughs> well, actually, before we do sign off, we have a competition winner from uh, our powder hound competition that we did uh, last week. And the winner, which we will send be sending out, so get in touch, Sam Louise King is our winner. She wins a um, beautiful Powderhound mug. So we'll get that over to you in the post. Don't forget that we are still releasing the Ski Racing Podcast Extra over on the YouTube channel, which dives in a little into a bit more detail We've got some video analysis of the winning runs over the World Cup. So far, the seasons go check it out. Give us a share. Give us a like. That all helps from our side of things. I don't know anything left to say other than that. Good racing and good luck.
2: No, you may
1: have a good season, Mark. Enjoy it.
2: Thank you very much, boys. Thanks for having me again. That's the second one I've managed without uh, any crazy outbursts or expletives. <laughs> you wait until I, I edit them back in. Um, <laughs> third time lucky. Yeah, can't wait to see if you boys score any points in Courcheval or Val d'er.
0: Yeah, nice one. All right, thanks, Mark. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah, cheers, Mark. Cheers, Ben. Uh, until next time, guys. Goodbye for now.